when I talk to my daughter, I was literally telling her, like, whatever you learn, the hard skill, the problem-solving skill, it's not as important as you think because a lot of them can be dealt by the AI. And so you have to experience things. You live a good experience and you know what you're doing and then you find your passion. That's the most important thing for their generation. This is Startup Island Taiwan. Everything about Taiwan and cutting-edge technology Startup unicorns and connections to the world. Hello and welcome back to Startup Island Taiwan, the podcast all about the latest news and trendy involving startup and other innovation enterprise in Taiwan. I'm your host, Yuli. Today, we're having two guests here. First, we would like to welcome Dr. Sean Wen. Dr. Wen is the co-founder and CTO of PolyAI. PolyAI is a London-based startup looking to use the latest developments in NLP and ML to create a human-like voice assistant systems. He holds a PhD from the Dialogue System Group, University of Cambridge, where he worked under the supervisor of Professor Stephen Young. His research focuses on language generate and end-to-end dialogue modeling, specifically in learning to generate response for task-oriented dialogue systems. Before PolyAI, he was the inventing lecturer for Samsung's corporate training course in Wanshaw, a research consultant at IPsoft Emilia team, and a research intern at Google Brand. He received Best Paper Award at EMNLP 2015 and SIGDIAL 2015 as well. Let's welcome Dr. Xiao. Hello. Another guest is Dr. Kyle P. Dr. P is the co-founder and CEO of Eastern AI. Eastern AI is a Silicon Valley best startup which is a no-code HAI tools provider. They are empowering HAI device with AI region has been an inspiring region for the industry. With the Instant AI supervised data collection tool, people are able to close the model development loop and intellectualize the AI developing process. He got a PhD from UC Riverside and was doing postdoc research in Hitachi Global Storage Technologies. Dr. P is a serious entrepreneur. Before starting InstaAI, he was CEO of AITronics, which is a premium level two, level three ADS solution provider to help automobile and robotic manufacturers. And he also co-founded Country Bullet, a crowdfunding website, and PN2 Kitchen, an online market space helped like local people in San Jose sell and market their homemade food online. Let's welcome Dr. P. Hello, everybody. Thanks for inviting me. So first, I would like to welcome Sean. Sean, could you please introduce yourself and your company? Hi, everyone. So uh, my name is Sean. I'm one of the founders and CTO of Polyai, a London-based uh, startup focusing on build really human-like voice assistant for enterprise contact centers. So all our clients are large enterprises like FedEx, Marriott, and etc. So we have been working on this for a very long time since I was in undergrad working with Professor Lin Shan Li back in Taiwan University. And then I moved to UK. Uh, first, I did a PhD with Professor Steve Young on dialogue systems and then moved to London to start with this. So it has been a really, really fun journey. I want to quickly play you a recording that between a user and our system. This system is a restaurant reservation system has been deployed to hundreds of restaurants in the UK already. So it's taking calls every day, help to answering questions and make reservations. Cafe Bridge Portsmouth, how can I help you today? Uh, hi there. Um, can I book a table for 1.30 this coming Sunday for four people? Let me just have a look at what space we have. Okay. 
We have a table on the 24th of July at 1.30pm for four people. Is that all okay for you? Yeah, that's great. Great. Shall I go ahead and book that in for you? Please do. Can I have your full name, please? Yep, my full name is Emily Schaefer. Can you spell your last name for me? Sure thing. It's uh, S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R, Schaefer. Can we reach you on this number? Yes, you can. Perfect. I'm just waiting to see that go through. And that's done. Is there anything else that you need to let me know? Any allergies or other notes that I should make on your booking? Yeah, someone in the group is celiac. Uh, Can you make a note of that, please? We cater the dietary requirements, but all our food is prepared in the same kitchen. I'm just making a note on your booking now, but please remind someone from our team when you get here. Yep, I can do that. Is there anything else I can help you with? Uh, I think that's everything. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Sean sounds exciting. So I probably wondering sometimes, maybe I make phone call to the restaurant. Maybe the guys is not real guys over there. Yeah. During the COVID times, there was actually an event where we have the Google duplex bot actually phone in to our restaurant bot to asking for opening our information because this was during the COVID time. So Google map has a lot of restaurants closed and then open our changes, right? So I think they are doing like, you know, collecting information, automatically updating on Google map because owners are not doing that anymore. Yeah, sounds really in my daily life, which I've called most of the time. And this is really really helpful to helping the merchant to reduce the cost and helping to enhance their, like every communication. Very cool. I'm looking forward like more this kind of service in my daily life. So Kyle, could you please introduce yourself and your company as well? Sure. Thanks for introduction. As he mentioned, compared with Sean's very focused career path, mine is in contrast on the other side. I'm very detour and I was like all over the place. So I will talk about my background a little bit before I talk about my company. So I was trained as a physicist, so like a science focus and a material science. So I started my career early in a startup environment in a research center. And then I joined a MRAN development company, which they got acquired by TSMC afterward. And at that point, I was looking for something that I can do to help the society. So uh, I jumped into internet industry and then create this crowdfunding platform to help local nonprofit on their fundraising. And also like uh, I built a platform to help local like a single mom that was the target or like a a second generation, which they don't speak English and they cook good homemade food. So uh, I built a platform for them to sell those homemade food online. So we meet the demand and supplies. And afterward, I was attracted by the uh, computer vision industry because I, I realized that this AI and computer vision was really uh, blooming. And then uh, a lot of uh, edge devices can utilize this, especially at that time, one of the big field was the autonomous driving industry. And they use a lot of edge vision to like uh, power their vehicle. So they can understand what they see using cameras and then they can drive their car on the road. So uh, I joined my friends and uh, co-found this company that is the, one of the main suppliers for computer vision software and embedded systems in China EV industry, basically. And uh, I worked there for a couple of years, basically throughout the pandemic time. 
And then after pandemic, that's how I start my new company. Because the working experience with the computer vision company, I realized how important it is to do the data collection to perfect your model and to uh, customize it for certain area and environments. So that's how I feel like the whole process of model development, uh, one of the key components is the data collection and how to automate this and how to make this part more effective is one of the important work. So uh, I was been wandering around, like uh, not focusing on a particular industry, but focus on the problem. So I feel like I should jump on, on this problem and trying to uh, provide solutions to all the AISOC, basically, not just working on particular problems. So that's where I am now. So um, I try to provide computer vision for uh, all the AIoT industry and then help them from the source of the whole problem, which is the data collection and trying to build in a better model so they can utilize it. That sounds cool. And just curious because, you know, once we open the website or the newspaper, when we read that, like every day, everybody talking about AI. Could you please, your own word, to explain to everybody what is AI for you or for your business? Well, this is a very difficult question. Like, you know, maybe like 30, 40 years ago, it's a very easy question to answer. But these days, you know, artificial intelligence has been used in everywhere, right? And people talk about it a lot. So it becomes a very difficult question to answer. I guess, like, you know, if you go back to the basic, my basic is Wikipedia, right? Artificial intelligence is intelligence perceiving, synthesizing, and inferring information and demonstrate by machines. So demonstrated by machine is very important. And there's lots of these, you know, basically it's still about processing information, right? It's about like how the machine perceives the information. So that's in a lot of technology we call classification. Also synthesizing, which is a very popular these days about generating AI and also about inferring information, which is doing planning along the way, right? So if you look at the traditional sense of AI, has been focusing on the planning part. And, you know, more um, algorithmically finding the optimal solutions, such as like, you know, playing video games. So they know how to actually foresee several steps down the road so that, you know, they can actually come up with the optimal strategy, you know, no matter that they are playing with. So that's actually a more traditional sense. In the modern day, I think in the past like 10 years, when we talk about AI, it's more about the pattern recognition and more recently about predictions and taking actions. So for example, the technology we use a lot in our business is speech recognition, where we try to, based on an audio signal, transcribe it into text. And then based on the text, we also have a language understanding module, which is actually parsing the user intents from that text with a signal, right? So these are all about pattern recognition because you look at a lot of data, the pattern of it, and you try to summarize what that look like. The most interesting thing that is happening right now is the generative AI is more about predictions or even just generalizing or synthesizing contents, right? So these are very interesting. And I think it's now driving a lot of the new kind of revolutions there. But I think, you know, these are more on the technical side because I'm a technical person. So inevitably, I always go back to the tech rabbit hole. But I think the application these days for artificial intelligence are very broad. And then a lot of the businesses are trying to apply different kinds of AI technologies into different places. So I would say the boundaries between AI and the traditional software are increasingly blurred. And then it's also a very dynamic thing as well. Like the term AI changed a lot in the past 10 years. And I'm sure that it will continue to evolve in the next 10 years too. 
Yeah, that's a very good one. I do agree the last part because the first time I heard about AI since around 2005, in that time, it didn't call AI, it's still called like natural language processing, something like that. But now everybody, everything like trying to talk about AI. So it makes things very complicated. Thank you for your explaining. How about you, Kyle? For me, AI is a tool. And uh, what AI do, I like to think about AI as the you got some input. And then uh, you process like a machine or computer with logic. And this logic can be hard-coded or could be a model. And then you output the result, which like human beings understand. So that's three steps combined. I treat it as AI. And like 40 years ago, people used decision tree on the computer. You fit certain criteria, you output the number. That's AI to me. And then like these days, you input a whole bunch of image or a whole bunch of video recording data when the computer vision first started. They use uh, OpenCV, they match patterns. You want to find a triangle, you find these like, lines and then trying to match that patterns. And these days you learn like, oh, triangle can look at different ways. So you input a lot of triangle image. So that's how like machine processes. So that's the second step, process it with logic. And it could be hard-coded, it could be a model because the rule is just too much. So you couldn't like hard-code everything. That's just the process part. And then you output something. You tell people, like you use text, you use language, you use recognition, you classify it, you output something people understand. So um, that's how I view AI. And these days, AI development was just amazing. I still remember when I was a college student, I played Go. Because around 2000, that was the time machine first beat human on the chest. And that was something like mind-blowing at that time back then. And then there was this discussion about like a chest having a like variation of 10 to the power of 40. And machine will never beat professional goal player because goal, the variety was like 10 to the 400 times. So I was like, oh, I'm going to learn this new game. So like AI couldn't like take over everything. I can still beat them. And I do like after a year of learning, I can beat the AI in that time. And then AI now these days is more than just understand things logically. It's more also about like summarizing experience. So I think AI start with processing information logically. And now these days, AI is starting to like provide statistic prediction. There's a old saying in the valley say that the software eating the world. And recently I heard another sentences is talking about AI is eating the world right now. So go back to your company. Your company seems like in a very different segment of the whole industry or the AI world. And recently, there are so many different kind of AI companies. Could you please help us try to classify, including your company and all kind of the AI company you guys already figure out right now? The way I characterize this AI company is through that basic principle that I just mentioned. I think there are AI companies that take care of the inputs, which means there are AI companies that collect data and process data. These days, everybody uses AI. So like Tinder is a dating software, right? Tinder processes like 10 millions of images every day and they use AI to process them to tell people, oh, you should upload this type of image. So one type AI company is they process, they collect information, they build a website, and then uh, they take human feedback as a labeling. They take care of the input side. And then um, there's a second part of AI. My understanding was to process information logically. And those are algorithms. Like you have people doing cutting-edge algorithms, develop new type of models that people didn't have. And also there are tools, like those ML ops tools, they 
they help you like compress the model for edge device. They help you like build and test and deploy AI models. So those are processing data part. And also they are solution providers that use these tools and help you provide the AI solutions. And if you want to logically process them, you want to use certain type of computer chips. And all these AI chip makers, they build chips so you can process this information. And those companies are AI companies. So that's the second sector. And also like providing feedbacks to the human being, providing in the way that human being understand. And that's probably the end product. You can see AI company in all type of industry providing solution. Autonomous driving is one. They use all these things. They collect information. They process image on the chip. And then they provide user with the understanding. Like, oh, this is human. This is light. This is red light. This is left turn sign. This is speed limit. And also, like, I think healthcare, they collect all the data. Financial industry collect all the data and tell you the forecast of certain company. And the medical image processing, they tell you if this is a tumor or this ultrasound looks weird. And also, like, education company, they tell you if you uh, are in the right grade level or uh, this is the problem you should work on. And also, I think Sean's company, too, they probably cover, like, vertically, including the part technology part. But also, at the end, they provide feedbacks. They provide audio that people understand. So that's how I characterize them. Handling data, like, upstream, process things with logic, including chip, including tools. And then also the end result, the solution provider, and also the feedbacks after all the processing to a human being. So that's how I look at this industry. Thank you, Kyle. It's very broadly, and you start from the data to the like hardware and bring to the human being. So like different way to classify. And how about you, Xiang? I like to categorize companies into two different kinds of AIs. One is more on the foundational part or the infrastructure side. So, you know, a lot of these latest generated AI trends, they are very popular because they are foundational models. You can consider them if you have a massive AI industry, you will also have a supply chain of these AI technologies, right? They are basically the fundamental source of the AI industry. Therefore, it's very popular because if the entire industry take off, these kind of companies, if they are, they are going to be in a monopoly position, right? So these actually go back to like the foundational model, like these large language models, pre-trained models, large image recognition models. And they usually in the serving in the way of APIs or they are bundled in the cloud offerings, right? So if you look at Amazon or GCP, they all have the AI in there, but their AIs are all foundational. They are rarely looking into the application level, right? And you also have the hardware players, as Kyle mentioned, and NVIDIA is one of them. And because the main resources for AI to be successful is the data and computation power, right? So whoever is supplying them is also considered as the foundational part of the entire AI infrastructure. And, you know, data labeling, auto ML optimization, ML ops is also a very popular term. This is like, you know, the DevOps, but, you know, they convert it to ML ops is everything about how do you label the data, clean data, the entire process to train the model and deploy them. So that's the infrastructure side. And there's also an application there. And then there's a more closer to our day-to-day life. And there are a variety of use cases. And I think I'll touch base a lot of it. Like voice assistant, like Siri, Alexa is the first kind of it. Now, 
contact center where the spaces we are in is becoming very popular as well. Google has a cloud contact center AI offering because there's a saying in these industries that you know majority of AI would go into contact center because contact center there are so many calls and chats and emails happening every day, and a lot of these conversations and the way that the entire industry sustain is not long-term sustainable, especially after COVID, there's a global labor shortage as well. So, you know, I think contact center space is a big space to look into when you talk about AI. This is historically also about speech analysis and agent-assisted tools. How do we actually make the contact center agent more productive? And how do you analyze the speech so actually provide insightful actions for contact center operators. There's also a lot of the applications we are already using have is a recommendation systems, right? Like if you're using Netflix or YouTube, you got recommended very frequently, even Facebook as well. So this is already part of our life. We just didn't realize that. Self-driving cars is also a big topic and t- technology involves so many different parts of the AI in order to actually make it work. So I think it's actually a very interesting one. So I like to split this into applications and foundations and more on the infrastructure side. And of course, on the application side, you can break it down so into so many different use cases. So the next question uh, is about, you know, recently a super hot topic. Almost every day we see Google, we see Microsoft, we see OpenAI, we see they are discussing about the generative AI. So it seems like generative AI is another wave compared with seven or eight years ago. So for you guys, have you seen any applications that will happen recently? Generative AI is really a hot topic. But I actually think this is happening relatively soon. I think a lot of industry will be transformed under this wave. And when we say generative AI, like my turn to define it is to create contents that's on the creative side, not solving the problem. So when you talk about generative AI, I think a lot of things already happened in the past and it just in a different level. For example, YouTube have this uh, automatic transfer your audio to the subtitle. And also like a, a lot of image fixing tools that help you remove the background or help you fix the old photos to fill in the pixels on the pictures that's missing. So those are generative AI. Those are not something uh, is there and you just like solve it numerically. You have to fill in the gap and then create things. And these days, um, they just got broader, like take over from the small things. They help you. For example, my kids is playing tennis. Every time you photo shoot, you videotape tennis, there's a lot of ball picking because as a kid, you hit bad shots. So if you record the whole thing, I would say 80, 90% of the time, it's very boring. You hit a bad shot and you pick the ball and then it took like one minute. And then now these days, like this tennis video company, it just help you sector the important part, the part that's actually like rally. They help you edit it. So this video editing and then also like the recent like a chat GPT, they response with the content that's summarized from the internet. So with all these tools combined, I think a lot of job already happening, including the call center or the blogger, even like podcast. If the podcast is not talking about experience or uh, personal opinion, it's about information transferring. Those type of podcasts, I think will be like AI accessible, I would say. And then also like a lot of uh, logical job, like a lawyer or a medical diagnosis. Those are all AI accessible and they are happening. I see so many companies writing uh, text, blog, and then uh, creating music, creating pictures. So those will happen sooner than I expect. Just like the AlphaGo beat human Go players. 
Okay. How about you, Sean? Yeah. So my take on this is, I think the seven, eight years ago, it's a different kind of AI wave. And, you know, there was an AI wave seven, eight years ago, right? And I think that back at that time, people were excited about the breakthrough that AI brings in. You know, back at that time, we call it like discriminative AI comparing to generative AI. Discriminative AI is really about classification. I show you an image. Is there a cat or dog in it? Or, you know, I show you a speech audio. You help me to transcribe into text. This is more of a discriminative AI, right? And the previous wave was like, you know, the accuracy of those models become really good because people started using deep neural network. And people just realized that, you know, the architecture design of it is so simple and the accuracy is so good. So all the tech giants were very aware of that. And they, you know, they know that they shouldn't miss that trend. So a lot of companies, you know, put in a lot of resources and money, hire a lot of AI research scientists. So you have like DeepMind, you have Google Brand, you have Facebook AI, you have Microsoft research team as well. So a lot of big tech companies were aware of that. This wave is slightly different because like, you know, big tech companies are kind of like research all the discriminative AI. They started to look into generative AI. So I remember like five years ago, generative AI technology was already you know there and people have already proposed an architecture called GAN, generative uh, the serial network to actually train those kind of generative model for images, right? But it is a case that you know, big tech use this generated AI, they invested a lot. And, but they realize that financially, they are not very driven to productize it. The reason is because generated AI, as you know nowadays with ChatGPT, is not very accurate, right? So when you are a search engine, you're providing information for customers, it needs to be close to 100% accurate. You can't really provide false information. ChatGPT doesn't uh, guarantee that. And in fact, all the generated AI doesn't guarantee that. So a lot of these applications up to so far has been applying into for example, creating arts, creating like, you know, music and, you know, these kind of more creative tasks, there's no complete black and white, right or wrong, right? So that is one thing that needs to be aware of. That's why Google this time got so surprised because they have already that technology in-house. And in fact, that immediately released, oh, we have Bar as a competitive technology. But, you know, guess what? The public is going to put much more scrutiny on whatever they do because they are a much bigger company while OpenAI is claimed to, you know, for the well-being of the human society, we want to open source everything. So these are what I see is a very different thing. And the question is, you know, is it already happening? I think the answer is definitely yes. You know, a lot of applications I have seen. For example, like two days ago, I actually wrote to my doctor with a chat GPT generated email content. I just added a few components of it, right? I know like a couple of my friends are already using it for here and there. Whether it's monetized yet, you know, they are trying to do it now. But, you know, is that going to be that successful? We will see. But I think it has a lot of good applications comes with it. Right. So it can actually assist a lot of the human day-to-day life. And then also in the business context, we also see a huge potential as well. One of the things that you know we are already doing, and this is already live with one of our customers, we're not trying to use ChatGPT to generate sentences for our customers because it's too risky and the enterprise wouldn't allow us to do that right but what we are using it is that you know we have several hundreds of thousand calls coming in every day into our virtual system and there's a conversation generated every second we use chat gpt to 
summarizing the call and generate a daily report for the contact center managers. Like, hey, you have a job in these kind of use cases. And then, you know, you usually have a higher volume in the morning. So you should staff more agents in the morning and then less in the afternoon, something like that. So we are already leveraging this kind of technology. And I'm sure that a lot of the business are doing the same as well. So my last question, recently, a lot of debate or conversation happening in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. Does ChatGPT or generative AI really bring a huge difference in the technology side or business side? I am going to today tell you a story about like how my attitude toward chat GPT changed in the first months. And then you know, like I kind of feel like it's a representative of like what different people are perceiving chat GPT, right? So I'm trained engineer. I have an engineering background. I come from the AI space, right? So I know how the technology works. And the reality is that chat GPT from a technical point of view, there's not much innovation in it. Like the technology they know, the model architecture you use, we already know, right? These transformer-based architectures is a lot of supervised learning on large online training corpora. And on top of that, add reinforcement learning to it. So providing human feedback to the generated content, guiding the system to actually generate the right content next time. It is similar to how, you know, DeepMind trained their AlphaGo is also similar to a lot of companies train their applications. So architecture and the entire process-wise there's not much innovation to it. So in the first, I remember two or three weeks time, I was very uh, against it. I was like, oh, this is just a yet another, you know, large language model. Like, you know, people spend a lot of money, you know, and then, you know, train a toy, then then claim that, oh, it can have human emotions. So remember there was a bot trained by Google, the engineer talked to it and say, oh, you know, the system is a sentinel. It's not the case, right? We all know that it's not the case from a technical background. But, you know, my attitude gradually shifted towards, actually, I think it's quite cool because now I'm also playing the business head, like a co-founder head as well. And I see the potential of this application. I think that in reality, on the technical, they probably put in a lot of training data. They probably put in a lot of human resources to actually make it work. And to be honest, what they have managed to do is actually really remarkable that the way the ChatGPT to be able to answer to all sorts of different questions in different languages is just really impressive, right? And I think that from the application point of view, it's really exciting. It's really excited to see like what are the applications it's going to derive from that, right? And so with my business head on, I think it's really exciting. With my technical head on, I know what it is. It's not a rocket science. So uh, what about you, Kyle? Um, do you see like chat GPT or generative AI is really bring a huge difference in technology side? It will, but as Sean mentioned, like when he wears his CTO hat, he knows that like, what's the technology behind. So I think it will bring a huge difference, but not in the way that a new technology come in and like a revolutionize the industry. It'd be more like all the technology development, there was uh, this one point that you catch people's attention and a lot of people being aware of it. And then they starting to accept it in their daily life. I think chat CGP is more like that iPhone moments, or it's more like a marketing breakthrough in terms of the technology. And I think ChatGP is more like a nature NLP, like a hype that catch a lot of attention and bring people's attention back to this new technology and then to the generative AI. And it's like, hey, this is what we can do these days. And then you can trust us, just like when Tesla released the car and even though it's far from perfect and people is like, oh, like the autonomous driving is happening. And those hype, I would say is good in terms of marketing purpose and it's good to 
bring people's attention onto the technology and it's good to suck in the resource so this industry have more room to grow and then to be successful. So I think uh, in that way, ChatGP is important and this hype is important for the industry. I think this is a conversation because no one really have the conclusion and it's changed really frequently, really, really fast. A lot of new information just coming up like every day. And we don't know, maybe in some corner in the Silicon Valley, maybe in London, maybe in the area, maybe in Taiwan, we don't know. So we are keep watching and keep see what will still happen in the AI world. Anything you want to share to our audience? I just have a one final line to say is that, you know, as scary as it may sound, I think AI is not scary at all. So I would encourage everyone to embrace it. AI is still a technology in its infancy. And I think there's a lot to expect, a lot to work on. I think that people would have to adapt with the new technology, just like what we adapt with, you know, the automatic manufacturing. It is going to come and we just need to adapt to it. How about Carol? Anything to like everyone? I have the uh, very similar attitude, even though when AlphaGo first beat a professional chess player, I was very sad. But now these days, I actually embrace AI. And when I talk to my daughter, I was literally telling her, like, whatever you learn, the hard skill, the problem solving skill, it's not as important as you think, because a lot of them can be dealt by the AI. And so you have to experience things. You live a good experience and you know what you're doing, and then you find your passion. That's the most important thing for their generation. Cool. Thank you, you guys. Thank you again for tuning into today's show, everybody. So we will see you next week on Starbucks in Taiwan.